Welcome to the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health. We will also reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and others who have been through extreme adversity. Welcome to Season 19 of the Imperfectly Perfect Podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Marsden, and I'm thrilled to have you join us on this extraordinary journey where we delve into the captivating stories of some of the world's most renowned faces in the entertainment industry, the sports field, corporate leadership, and inspirational thought leaders. Over the years, our podcast has become a platform for individuals to share their truths and personal journeys, shedding the light on the incredible power of resilience and the human spirit. In this season, we have lined up more exceptional guests who have triumphed over adversity, proving that imperfections can be the catalyst for profound growth and transformation. Each week, I bring you the stories that inspire, motivate, and resonate with all of us. Our guests will open up about their own experiences, sharing the pivotal moments where they face challenges head on and how these encounters shape their lives in remarkable ways. From Hollywood icons to legendary athletes, from visionary corporate leaders to inspirational thought leaders, we will uncover the remarkable narratives that have shaped their paths. So get ready to be captivated, enlightened and uplifted as we embark on this new season, brimming with even more inspirational stories of how adversity has molded the extraordinary individuals we admire. Strap in and get ready for an incredible tale of resilience and triumph on this episode as I chat to the one and only Billy Dibb. Billy's rise to stardom was marked by his incredible career achievements. An Australian professional boxer, two times world boxing champion and the current WBC Australasian champion, IBF international lightweight champion and WBO oriental light champion. His impressive achievements leaving an inedible mark on the sport, but life had an unexpected challenge in store for him, one that would test his fighting spirit like never before. Billy was struck with a devastating blow, a cancer diagnosis in October of 2022. The news shook the boxing community and his countless fans around the globe. Suddenly, the fight of his life had a new meaning, one that extended far beyond the ropes and one that captured hearts across the nation as he continually shared his journey with fans via social media. Undeterred by the daunting prospect ahead, Billy made a decision that would define his character. He channeled his fighting spirit into battling cancer with the same intensity he had shown in the ring. Armed with unwavering courage, he faced rigorous treatments, grueling surgeries and exhausting rehabilitation and recently announced he's in remission after the battle with non-Hodgkin lymphoma. Welcome to the show, Billy. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, mate, can I just tell you, I was reading your book, A True Heart, and um, I never actually knew how emotional I was. The older you get, the more emotional you tend to get. And I was like, yeah, I don't yeah. know if I'm going to be able to get through this episode when you share your story with that, that emotion coming out. But So I'm going to start it nice and easy to uh, to begin with. Can you just tell our audience a little bit about your journey in terms of, you're very prolific in terms of what you've achieved through your career, which is amazing. And on a trajectory that everyone sees, they see all this success. But where did it start from? Your passion for boxing, where did that stem from? And how did it evolve? I mean, as a young boy, I mean, I, I just was dealing with uh, endless bullies. You know, and so my father... He um the 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 stories I mean it's it's out there but my father he pretty much just thought we needed to start some after school sports to break down the barriers 
you know, to try to make friends with these kids outside of school, see if we could um, somehow mesh in with them. Because uh, growing up in a, in a family with a Palestinian Lebanese background, the school that I went went to was basically Anglo-white, you know, and getting picked on was a daily basis sort of thing. And um, it was quite hard, quite difficult at times, but, uh, you know, we managed to get through it. And so, you know, through finding after-school sports, my, my dad, you know, seen that we we're making progress. And then one day um, while I was playing uh, rugby league for Bosco Bulldogs, one of the, uh, one of the trainers asked if I was, um, you know, if I had ever, if we were keen on doing some boxing training and I was like, mate, I'd love to, you know, so we sort of threw out the gloves and the, and the pads and the shields and I started throwing these punches and, you know, he was knew a little something about boxing and he asked me if I've had boxed before and I said, never boxed, but I've watched lots of Rocky, Rocky movies and, he said, mate, you should get your dad to take it down to Sutherland PCYC. And that was the end of it, mate. I walked into the gym and never looked back. And so my career was forged from that moment. So, I mean, I just walked into the gym and, you know, I saw posters of Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, great fighters like Shane Mosley, Oscar De La Hoya. And I just thought, wow, this is exactly what I want to do. You know, I was like mesmerized by the fact that here's two guys beating the hell out of each other in a ring and no one's telling them to stop. I was so mesmerized by that. And I thought, you know what? I definitely got to get into this sport. But, you know, one of the biggest things about Imperfectly Perfect campaign, it's about removing the mask because people see a lot of people in the public eye on a pedestal and they see the success. But how hard is it behind the scenes? Like you walked in there, you had to put your innings in. You didn't just go from like zero to a hero. Like what is that like as a professional fighter going through, getting knocked down, getting back up again? Does it go through your head? Are you dealing with any bouts of anxiety through that journey in itself, thinking you're not good enough, self-doubt creeping and that? I mean, there was plenty of days that I felt like that. Plenty of days where I felt like, oh, maybe this is not for me. Um, but, you know, the thing was that as a young boy, I was so, like, mentally driven for, for success, you know what I mean? I was like, once I put something in my head, it was like I was stopping at, at nothing, you know, I mean, nothing could stop me. I was like, man, I was so determined on achieving success. And, uh, you know, I was one of the types of kids who, you know, I told the whole world that I was going to be champion, you know, whether you believe me or not. If you did, good for you. If you didn't, I'd say, well, I'll show you later. You know, you, you're going to see that I'm going to be champion of the world one day. And my confidence came through. But obviously, you know, coming through the amateur ranks, you know, I mean, you, you talk about having to deal with certain things. And, you know, I was getting... You know, I was getting bullied by some of the referees, you know, some of the officials in, in boxing, you know, and I, like, you know, there's favoritism in sport. You know that, right? So there's a lot of favoritism and there's a lot of racism in sport as well. You know, for me, like, you know, getting picked on on a daily basis at school and coming out of that and going into the amateur circuit, you know, and getting picked on in, in the amateur circuit, it wasn't easy, you know, like, yeah. it wasn't easy having to deal with, um, you know, favoritism. Here you are, a young boy, you're in Jimmy train hard, you put in all the effort, you leave no stone unturned and then you turn up to the fight and you, you put in a great performance. You think that you've won the fight clearly and they give it to the other guy because, Hey, he was the favorite. You know what I mean? He's yeah. his father or his mother or somebody's investing in amateur boxing. And you know, it's, that's just how sport is. You know what I mean? It's like the right guy doesn't always get the fair shake. You know what I mean? So like, you know, the person who was supposed to win doesn't win, but that's the sport of boxing. But you know what? I was always determined, like, think, I, I got to that point in my mind, I was like, you know what, I'm going to have to win so convincingly where it looks like it's a, like a, 
like a deep robbery if I've lost. You know, I remember one time in an amateur fight, I got robbed so bad that, you know, Joe Bugner, you remember Joe Bugner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe Bugner was a great heavyweight fighter who fought Muhammad Ali. And he was in the crowd. And, and after the fight, he came up to me and he said, listen, champ, you should call the cops. And I was like, why? And he's like, you've just been robbed. And I was like, yeah. yeah. I mean, if it was kind of funny at the time when he said that, I laughed. But deep down, really, was true. You know, I mean, I'd just been robbed, you know, my my opportunity to win an Australian title. And, um, you know, I thought it's, it's okay because the way I looked at it was like the amateur circuit. I, I looked at it like it was an apprenticeship. It was he was me putting the arms on the board so that when I turned professional, there'd be no stone left unturned. I'd not know how to fight every type of style. No matter who I faced, I was going to be victorious. And, and you know what? I embarked on a professional career. And right off the bat, I started, started making some some good ground. And before you know it, I was challenging for world titles and defending world titles and just having a great career, you know? Yeah, and it just went from strength to strength. But when it comes to that, the physicality, that's one aspect. How mentally strong do you have to be in the game? Not just in terms of the mental fitness behind it, but when, when you suddenly this success comes and you're in the spotlight as a professional athlete and then the comments come and the judgment comes. Like a lot of people think I want fame, I want success. And the whole thing, the, the disassociation with what I'm trying to create is like, you actually don't realize how hard that can be as well. So there's the physicality right. of boxing. But, but what's that like when you suddenly get in the limelight and you get hate for the wrong reasons and how you navigate that, the noise? Yeah. Listen, everything you're saying right now is something that I've been through. It's like, yeah, I don't know whether you know, but I've been, I've been through what you're saying right now. I've been through that. I've, I, you know, I've faced that. Um, you know, I remember like, you know, fan forums, like people would create fan forums, like boxing fan forums where, you know, and I don't know what it is about us, but it's like human nature is like, we want to know what people are saying about us, you know? Yeah. So I will join these fan pages under another name. And people would be bagging, like, bagging me really bad, you know. People would be throwing out derogatory things about me, my family. You know, people would be saying, oh, I hope he dies in the ring, you know. I hope they use his head as a mop. Like, really hurtful things, you know what I mean? And I remember the one the one time that I was like, you know what? I got on a fan forum and I just fought in America. And I decided that after my fight in America that I was going to go on a holiday to Cancun with my friends and family and let me tell you I went to Cancun and I didn't enjoy it at all you know why because I got on the fan forums I wanted to see what people were saying about my performance and I had a great performance and people were like slandering me and putting me down and I was I, I got fed up you know and I ended up messages messaging this guy and I'll never forget him you know and I, and I messaged him and I said um I said you know this is the real Billy Dib and I want to know what your problem is with me and he's like, mate, you're a lair and you're this and you're that. And I said, listen, I've got a great idea. Why don't you come and spend one day in my life? Just spend one day. I want you to see what I go through one day just, to, just so you can see what I go through. How's that? Just come for one day. And you know what? He could have he could have taken the, like I was setting him up. I was going to beat him up. I was going to catch him. But he, made, he took he, he, dived, he dove right into it. Made him like a proper you know, breakfast, healthy breakfast. Then we went to the gym. You know, I made him lace them up. I made him lace the gloves up and get in there to see what it's like, you know what I mean? And I remember the day clearly because I was firing Vic Darcini in that day. 
And I took him to the gym while I was sparring with Victor Chinian. You know, and then after the training, we went and got some lunch, whatever, and then we went for a run in the afternoon. Do you know what he did at the end of the night? He got on the KT fan forum and he wrote, I've just spent the most amazing day with Billy Dib, and I am officially out. I will never ride on this fan forum ever again. I will never bag another fighter out again. He and I had the best heart-to-heart. You know what? And um, for me, that's that did something really big for me because that just proved to me that all the people that are naysayers, because when I spoke to him, I was like, why do you hate on me so much? And he's like, well, I'm going through a bit of health issues myself and whatever, and you've got all the skill in the world and all the talent, but I feel like you take it for granted. I'm like, but I don't. I work my ass off every single day. How am I taking it for granted? You know what I mean? Yeah. And that gave me like a, it gave me a clear vision of, you know, these people that are on our fan forums or on the fan forums bagging people out, they've just got nothing to do in their lives. They're so bored with their lives and they're so consumed in worrying about what I'm doing and what other people are doing. So I was like, you know, I let it go. That, that, that was the best thing that happened to me. Like people are like, why would you reach out to him? And I was like, that was the best thing that I ever did because what it did was it made sure that from now on in anything that anyone ever wrote about me, it never mattered to me anymore. It never bothered me anymore because I was like, they're in a dark place just like he was. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, wow. he was in a dark place, you know, and, and he was taking that out on me. And that's what people do. You know, they're in a dark place and they take it out on the athletes. You know what I mean? It's like, when a soccer player or a rugby league player or a basketball player is getting, you know, someone saying you're this and you're that and you're fat and you're ugly and whatever, like they must be looking in the mirror. That's what helps me get through it. You know, when when I don't I don't cop no hate anymore. I'm gonna be honest. I haven't copped a lot of hate in a long, long time in my life. I haven't. You know, obviously after my last professional fight with um with um Jacob NG, you know, and, and the way things, you know ended in a fight a lot of his friends and that were really disturbed by the way the fight ended but at the end of the day the, the guy got dq'd you know and that wasn't on me that was on him and now calling me names and calling me a chicken and all these like derogatory things but i was like whatever man you know what i mean like the good for you you know what i mean at the end of the day go to the record books go see who won the fight i won whether yeah. i'm by dq knockout i want whether <laughs> on points I, I won the fight so you know you guys can kick rocks well, wow. you know, and, that, and, that, and that's the way the world is. You know, it's, it's very sad the what the way the world is is that, you know, people get off, you know, on on making people's lives difficult, and it's it's not cool. You know what I mean? Not cool at all. Yeah, especially I love the way that you took somebody aside and you actually took them with you, just to see that because people don't often see that. But um, we have to mention we have to mention like my local hero, and I know he's your hero, Prince Nazim, because I'm a Sheffield boy. Yeah. Me and Nas were were and, and still are extremely close. Yeah. You know, we're like we're really, really, really close. He's like my brother, you know. He's like he's not a friend to me. I'm not his fan. He's my brother, you know. Like we 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 have the most amazing relationship. You know, Nas was probably, you know, one of the people that helped me get through this cancer, you know. I mean, when I was a kid growing up, you know, when I was fighting and if I was nervous about a fight and Nas would bring me. All of a sudden, my my nerves would diminish because Nas just had that thing about him where he would like he make you feel so comfortable, you know, and so you know, like he make you feel like a winner, you know, friend, brother, 
you know, always, always there for me from, from such a young age, you know what I mean? And he's somebody that I hold very dear to my heart and very close to my heart. And- not surprised with that. I think it's an incredible story. If you know anything about Sheffield, if you know anything about Yorkshire, we predominantly have two famous people. There is Sean Bean and there is Prince Nazim. So we grew up around those two being highlighted. Um, Prince Nazim, as you have just rightly confirmed there, leads with humility, integrity, is always there, positive and very, very humble. He's always come across like that when it comes to talking about home, talking about Sheffield. So incredible to know that. Now comes the deeper conversations, Billy, and it comes in the form of your recent fight, which was something that came out of the blue. Um, and that's with your diagnosis when it came to cancer. And as I say, your biggest fight yet. Highly documented, you spoke openly about each state of the journey, very transparent, what you was doing, what you was going through, the emotions. Again, guys, if you haven't got this book, go and purchase the book because it's incredible. Not only does it highlight an incredible career and the behind the scenes of everything that it took Billy to get where he is, talks about his family, how much they mean to him, the support system. But then with this diagnosis, talking again about his family being there for him and his son, his son being three years old and seemingly knowing everything that was going on around his dad. And if you can just take us there and especially about your son, because as a parent myself, like everything that you must be experiencing going through and the news that was delivered to you, you, you decided to openly document this journey and it was due to your son. So can, can you speak into that for us? I can assure you that if he wasn't here, then I may have done things a little bit differently. But the fact that he was here, um, you know, when the doctor, when the doctor come and see me at, um, you know, when I was sick and, and basically said to me, look, um, you know, um, do you know what you have in regards to the cancer that you have? And I just said, like, no, I don't know. And, you know, I'm not really considering doing chemotherapy and I'm, I've got other things, you know, in mind. And, and then when he told me that I had six months to live, everything just froze in that moment everything froze and I all I could think about was six months like, like how much time do I have to get things ready for my son like you know if I was to die you know what would I leave behind for this kid how would I how am I going to put everything in place but you know so when, when he actually told me that I was pretty much just said look how do I turn six months into 60 years and he pretty much said you got to start chemotherapy yesterday and I was like, well, I'm on board. And he's like, just like that. He goes, you've gone from saying you're not interested in it. And I said, well, see, look, it's not about me anymore. And when something's not about you anymore and when it's about other people and about being there for others, you, you'll find another gear. And that's how I've been in my whole life. Is that, like all the success that I've had in my career, it doesn't just come down to me. Like I worked extremely hard to get to where I got to, but there was people in the background who worked extremely hard too. And in life, when something's not just about you, you will always find that other gear. And yes. and in that moment, having my son probably saved my life because I was like, I can't allow this kid to go to school in two years' time without a father. I was like, I'm not going to do that to him. I'm not going to do that in a way where I'm going to rob my son of being able to go to school and tell everyone that, oh, my dad just dropped me off. Or I was going to do everything that I could. And the reason people ask me, Billy, why were you so open and public about your journey? Like, what was it about you? Why did you do that? And I said, I, there was a reason behind it. And it was because I I felt like, okay, if I'm not going to be around for a long time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to document this whole journey so that my son, when he's older one day, can look back and say, you know what? My dad fought his ass off. My dad did everything in his power to try to be here for me. 
and that was what I, with every post I was always talking about my son and wanting to be there for my son. And, and that was a strategy for me because I thought if I didn't make it, I would want I would want him to look back and say, you know what, at least my dad tried. That would be his story to tell people that, yeah, my dad died from cancer, but my dad tried to really fight for me. You know, my dad tried to be there for me. There's literally no words when it comes to that. I mean, that, when I was reading that, as a parent, it's uh, it chokes you up because to even think about leaving behind your son, your daughter, yeah, man, it, it gets me every single time. And I can only thank you um, for sharing those real and raw emotions because at times I believe that's what we need to hear. We need that reality. We need to know the journey, the the storytelling, because people can resonate and people can heal and people can gain a lot of wisdom from the stuff that you come out with and share those experiences. So it is a heartfelt thank you from not only me, but so many people out there that need to hear your story and this part of your story. And I just think it's incredible. Um, I can't say enough good things about this book because there's something else that I notice about you. And, and we do need to just obviously come out with and say that you did get some incredible news that you went into remission, um, which I just think everything that you've just spoken about, about what you was documenting and why you was documenting it towards your son is just, is just, I don't know. It, it, it's almost like a vindication that you've come through and You've just got this incredible news now and you can look towards the future with your son, taking him to school. And even thinking about that when I was reading it, again, highly emotional, just sat there in tears, just reading it because everything that you've experienced and and the book in, in of itself, when you talk about it, you have never cried as much as you have, prayed, you're a strong man of faith. It's just... I literally have no words when I talk about it. I just think people need to pick up this book and really, really hit it. Um, but one thing I noticed through the book and, and and something as obviously I've been speaking to you before the podcast to get this arranged is you're very real, as in you, you do lead with that humility and you do speak a lot into the realness of things. Again, people can see the highlights and everything. And these days with social media, it's one of the things that we want to dispel and go in. Not everything is as it seems on social media. We all have shit days. We all go through trials, tribulations, health issues, the law. Um, why does it mean so much to you to keep things so real? Because you're very, very honest. And I love that. I love that in anybody. Nowadays, social media is giving you an opportunity to paint a picture of something that's not true. And, you know, you often see people posting up this fake lifestyle because it's not something that's, you know, life's not good every single day. Life is not good every single day. There's there's going to be tough times. That's just the way life is created, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's a test about how you overcome that and how you continue to persevere and move forward. That's what it's all about. And so for me... I try to keep it as real as possible. It's not about being fake and painting out the picture that, oh, yeah, I was signed to 50 Cent and I was this and I was that and I was living. No, I want people to know that it wasn't as good as it looked. And that's certainly something what the Imperfectly Perfect campaign is all about. 
when it comes to removing those masks and these highlight reels, because at the end of the day, we all go through things. We all go through adversity. We all go through lessons and experiences. And hopefully we come out the side a better person. We gain wisdom so that we can help other people through our stories, just like you are doing. Now, I just want to move on. Obviously, you got the incredible news that you went into remission. Can you speak into that? I got up in the morning really early. We woke up at around 7.30. We were ready. I didn't really sleep that night, so my wife woke up and stuff. We got ready, and then we, we headed to the hospital, and, um, you know, they waited for me to do to do this scan, which took nearly two hours. And so I had to be patient, and then I rang the hematologist, and I was like, just letting you know, I've just finished the scan, and he's like, Billy, um, I'm in theatre today, and I, I won't be able to give you the result till tomorrow. He's like, look, I've got to go. I've, I've got to go back in the theatre. And I was like, no worries, I'll speak to you tomorrow. So I said to my wife, I said, getting the result today you know a couple hours later dr Bhattacharya rings me back and he says billy listen i've got some great news and i said what is it you guys you're cancer free man you're in remission after i got off the phone with him i ran upstairs and i was like you're not gonna believe it dr Bhattacharya just called me right now he's told me i'm cancer free i promise and she's like oh my god and then like we just like sort of all hugged and we picked up my son and we all started crying and then i was like i gotta ring my brothers so i just let him know that you know the news and then um, my wife was like, we got to do the most amazing post. The fact that my son could hold that, you know, and he held it up like so proud, went down, turned into circles. And, and I didn't, in a way it breaks you, but it makes you feel like, man, I, I, this is what I'm fighting for. You know? That is absolutely beautiful. Um, I keep saying that word today because this episode is just absolutely inspirational. Um, everything you've been through, if there's one thing that you could say to anybody listening right now, what would it be, Billy? It's, it's very important, you know, like people just, um, uh, you know, they, they, you, you got to live your life and, and, and really enjoy every moment because, like I said, you know, time's something that's not promised. And for me, you know, I've been given more time, man. So I'm just going to take every day as it comes and enjoy every moment and, you know, no regrets, live with no regrets. Where can people find out more information about you, follow you, keep up to date? And I do recommend everyone goes out and buys that book because it's absolutely incredible. Not just to see the career man, because that's just that's just icing on the cake, but it goes so deeper than that about your family, your love for your parents, about that prophecy from a young age, about Sarah, your first wife, about it, it goes so deep. So and there's some good pictures in there as well, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so look, you know, obviously, um, my name's Billy Dib, B I W L Y D I B, and you can catch me on all my social media platforms at Billy Dib. And um, in regards to you know the book, man, it's very easy. You just go to www.billydib.com, place your order, and I can deliver it to anywhere in the world, and I will personally sign the book to you. So. Each and every person that buys the book, it's personally signed. And, um, you know, and I'm just so thankful for the love and support from the world because, you know, without you guys, I would be nothing. I am nobody without you guys. You know what I mean? Like, who is Billy Dib without the fans, without the friends, without the people who have supported him? I'm just another human being, you know what I mean? And I'm just great, truly grateful and thankful and humbled by every single one of you guys. Wow. Well... That's certainly a man of God who leads with humility and who's humble, mate. So <laughs> I just want to thank you for your time. It's, it's been an incredible chat. 
Um, I know it's going to inspire a lot of people. So guys, I'm going to put all the links where you can grab the book and you can find all the information about Billy. But remember to keep having the hard conversations because it's these hard conversations that save lives, guys. To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at info at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.